LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Atkins, and I'm here today with Daniel M. Hello, hello. And two very important guests. Yes. Uh, VIP? Would VIP be the acronym you use there? VIP. <laughs> well, technically VIG, right? I don't know what VIP. Very, very important. important guest. Guest. Oh, uh, I thought you were going very yes. important gangster. <laughs> no. I was like, That's I don't know OG. about that. Yeah, OG. OG. Uh, no, today we have with us Jonathan Howe and Dr. Rayner. Yep, the co-hosts of the Rayner on Leadership Podcast, the newest member of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. Yeah. Yeah, so our hope in having them on uh, was that we would, uh, that you would, as we've been talking about the Rainer and Leadership Podcast, not only listen into their podcast, but really uh, hear the hearts behind the hosts uh, as we answer these and, and work through these questions. So, yeah, Todd, any preliminary words before we get going? Um, one of the things I would, I mean, you know, Dr. Rainer's written over 30 books, I believe, and so Jonathan's like, more or less. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. If not there, it's going to be I think we're right at 30. Dr. Rainer, was Scrappy Church number 30? No, I think it was uh, 28. Oh, okay. Oh, we're close. I'm speaking uh, Pastor numbers. prophetically. Yeah, it, well, it's, that's <laughs> a bad list. You round it up. I round it up. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Uh, Scrappy Church is the latest book. Do you, can you tell us a little bit about it? I love the title. Uh, it's, it's, it's a great title, and I'm... Really, it was a was a collective title. I think Jonathan has a lot of credit uh, for for that title as well. I have a passion for church revitalization. I particularly have a passion for churches that are successfully revitalizing. And I was able to do a lot of interviews for a lot of churches through church answers, through other means to talk to leaders of churches where their churches had not only survived but thrived in the in the midst of everyone saying that there's absolutely no hope uh i call the churches scrappy churches i was um interviewing yesterday uh last week sam and i were interviewing uh, a guy from uh, middle georgia i'm trying to remember the town i believe it was warner robbins and uh, his his church was just in a steady decline and by all estimations the church should have closed its doors but through a series of just God-given measures that uh, he had really just carried out methodically, persevering, taking heat and criticism. He he led that church. God used him to lead that church to a turnaround. Hmm. He, he's he's emblematic of a scrappy church. They're they're, they're scrappy. There, I, I I talk about uh, scrappy players on sports teams. Uh, I use that metaphor a couple of times in the book to talk about those. Uh, types of teams that should have won, but collectively, when everybody was scrappy on the team, they did so. So that's that's the thesis behind it. TMI probably there, but that's the overview of uh, Scrappy Church. That's fantastic. Where it, there is that you know mentality that a lot of churches have that you know everybody's just going to go to the mega church down the street or the church with the you know new young pastor or the church plant. Um, how can churches? What are some of the things that you? outlined really quickly in the in the book that help churches see a way forward. This sounds oversimplistic, Todd, but maybe because it is, uh, they decided to be obedient to the Great Commission. It was just that's a really radical thought. <laughs> and many times we think that we're obedient to the Great Commission because we're friendly to guests or because we do something 
uh, in the community, but I'm talking about really radical obedience to the Great Commission. And they decided that uh, they were going to go in their community with the gospel, mm -hmm. not just with the social ministry, but with the gospel. And they had a high intentionality and a high accountability of seeing people come to know Christ and to see them become integrated into the church. We actually are taking this, this model into churches to revitalize. We're saying we need you to do, church leader, one thing and just focus on one thing that is outwardly focused. And we're going to hold you accountable. Uh, we're going to walk with you and help you. And that's where we're beginning to see some fruit. I, I discovered the model, if you will. I didn't discover it, but I discovered that it, it, was, a very, it was a viable model. When, way back when, when I was the dean of a seminary and I had a doctoral seminar, and instead of giving them the usual in-between uh, assignments to, to do written papers and all that, I said, all right, guys, there were, I think there were 11 or 12 guys in this um, uh, doctoral seminar. I said, between now and the next seminar, which would have been about three, four months, here's what I want you to do. I want you to email each other what you have done to get the gospel into your community every single week. Well, all but one of the churches had a significant upward lift, and most of them were declining. And it was simply the pastor leading the way, and others would follow, of course, to get that message into the community. It's oversimplified because it's pretty basic. Obedience is a lot easier than coming up with theoretical formulas on, on, on how to do it. At least it's conceptually easier, but it is not easier to carry it out. Good deal. That's really good. Well, Dr. Rayner, and for all of our listeners, uh, if you follow Dr. Rayner on Instagram, that's at Tom Rayner or Twitter or any of the social media channels. One of the things that I really appreciate about his posts is he'll occasionally just uh, take a picture of a book that he's reading. And there have been so many times where I've seen that and I was like, oh, that sounds amazing. I got to order it too. <laughs> so uh, let's get to our first question. Um, Dr. Rayner and Jonathan. Jonathan has been silent in the background. Uh, the both of you guys. Silent. That cannot continue. <laughs> it can't. Just it's playing the co-host role over here. No, no. This is uh, this is something where you know we want both of you guys to answer. But for both of you, who are you learning from? Jonathan. I learned from him. <laughs> I'm dead That's serious. I'm dead serious. I mean, like I, I, you know, I've worked for Dr. Rayner now seven years, a little over seven years personally, and um, I've learned so much over those seven years, just about, uh, not just about like leadership and, and business principles and stuff like that, but about the church. I, I'm a better churchman. Mm. I'm a better husband and father because of what I've learned from him. That's awesome. For, for, for me I, uh, and, and for Jonathan both, we have a constant feedback loop. When you look at the volume of input that comes from social media Rainer on Leadership podcast, uh, our sister podcast, Revitalize and Replant, the blog, TomRainer.com, and, and, and uh, Church Answers, not to mention just general emails and texts that come in. We have a constant feedback loop. That feedback often points me to what I'm going to read uh, mm -hmm. next. But then again, I, I, I watch different people and what they are reading. And so there, there are people out there uh, who, who influence me. Uh, I'm currently reading uh, a book called Temp, T-E-M-P, which is absolutely fascinating about the, the modern day history of employees and workers, I would better say workers and employees. And um, uh, that actually came to me through a snippet on Harvard Business Review. So I was just looking at something real quickly and I saw that and I said, well, what's going on there? And the book had just come out. 
I love to get books right when they're when they're brand new. And uh, do I read them all? I read all of them that of which I have an interest. There's some I get through a hundred pages and I'm saying I'm not going to waste my time anymore. But like this book, Temp, uh, not only am I reading it at night time, I'm listening to it on Audible during the day. Mm. So I have multiple sources that come that help me understand what I what I should be listening to, what I should be reading, and uh, that that may be my 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 boy, my book of the year uh, uh, thus far in twenty. 19, the first three and a half weeks. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah, like we were like barely a month into it. Uh, but but Dr. Reiner mentioned the, the feedback loop. That is something I I, I hope we don't take for granted, uh, he and I, uh, with what we have at Rainer and Leadership, TomRainer.com, Church Answers, all those platforms, because I feel like we have a better pulse and a better idea of what's going on in the local church as a result of that feedback loop, because we hear from people in every size church. Mm all across the country, regardless of context, regardless of urban, suburban, rural, whatever it may be, we have people that we are hearing from on the front lines. And that has been huge for us because I think that 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 has helped, you know, as we've gone and built these pr- platforms and stuff, they've remained relevant because we're speaking into exactly what these guys are facing. Yeah, so that's good. Every and, time and, I've been and, on and, Church and Answers. Jo- the, the, jo- Jonathan is really, really good about... Uh, sending a text, sometimes an email, sometimes a phone call, and saying, "What do you think about?" And and uh, he's he's prompting me to let's look into this area. I'm thinking about just last week, Jonathan. Uh, do you happen to remember uh, you wrote my son Sam and me yeah. about a topic? Do mm-hmm. you remember what that was? I do. It was about. Oh. Uh, go ahead. You go ahead. Well, it was it was <laughs> it was about kind of the the coming crisis of megachurch leadership, mm. and how we're we're not replacing those leaders, and we've got all these boomer megachurch pastors, and there's you know lack of a succession plan. I mean, Doctor Rainer's got a blog post, and we got a podcast right. coming up about this, but just something that we're just starting to see. And you know, if you're if you're kind of you know you've got a little tunnel vision or whatever, mm-hmm. if you're you're working with churches or whatever, you may not see this, but. You know, the, the feedback loop gives us a, a really wide perspective on what's going on, and it's been hugely beneficial. What's I think most interesting is you don't just see it at the senior pastor position. No. It's really all levels. There's a, a massive generation gap in Gen X, for mm-hmm. one, um, where, you know, those guys that are, you know, up and up and coming or they're seasoned and they've had a good amount of experience that a lot of larger churches are looking for, they're just not there, and yeah. seminaries haven't produced the same numbers as they once did. And you know, there's all these factors and all these reasons. But yeah, and, and to that, I think we're we're talking just about megachurch pastors, right. you know, specifically. But I think across the board, as we continue to go on here, we're seeing. I know, Doctor Andy, you get this. We get this all the time. We've talked to Mike Harlan about it. Everybody's looking for a worship guy, right? Yeah, everybody. And I mean, that is the one position we get questions about, I would say more than anything is, Mm. do you have a guy that can do worship, that can do maybe a blended thing, can do choirs, can do contemporary, Mm. they want somebody that can do it all. Those guys just don't exist anymore. And if the ones that do, they're happy where they are a lot of times. And then I I think we're going to start seeing in the future, because we've had this really strong push, and this is not a bad thing um, in itself, we've had a really strong push toward the senior pastorate from... And seminaries and preaching and everything. Preaching being preeminent. I think we're five, 10 years away from this big crisis of youth ministry Mm. where we aren't, seminaries don't have youth ministry programs like they did back in the 80s, 90s, 2000s. Mm. Those have changed. We're really shifting it toward 
preaching, I kind of wonder what the future of student ministry looks like because we aren't replacing those leaders like we used to. Well, all the education, you know, like, you know, I, I came up and through uh, that era where we had a strong education and leadership school. And I don't, I couldn't tell you a school that has a strong education wing that's that's producing, you know, what used to be the ME and is probably now more the family pastor, uh, children's pastor, student pastor, and, and on down the line. Those things that... I think we're producing children's pastors better. That seems to be a focus. We figured that out. Wouldn't I don't right. know if Dr. Rayner would agree with that or not, but I think I that's do. happening. But the, the student pastors, I think we're... I wouldn't say we're... At, you know, going to have a crisis, but I do think there is going to be a shortage of quality, capable hmm. student pastors in the next five to 10 years. That's a good word. Yeah, and I think part of that is, is it the role or how do churches view that role? How do churches view that role being developed and hired? So a lot of churches that I've been noticing, they'll hire associate roles and even student pastor roles from within mm-hmm. and not necessarily taking someone who has been to seminary, but rather saying, no, this person is volunteer or they're called to this or, or they're a college student that's really excited about this. Let's have them serve in a youth pastor capacity, but then let's just give them seminary training or theological training along the way. Is that in a response to the transiency that people see in that position? Perhaps. Maybe it's dual. Maybe it's the fact that seminaries aren't offering those kind of programs either. I think that we are in a flux in all of those. And as you were making comments and somewhat questions about what do you think about this one? What, and my response is, it depends. It really depends on a lot of factors that are, are beginning to unfold. Let, let, let me give an example. Uh, we have been approached uh, on the Church Answers Revitalized Network side about a partnership uh, with a seminary. And that seminary uh, wants us to start training pastors and other leaders in church revitalization. Well, they're coming to us to reach the pastors and other leaders who are on the field. So there is this transition that is taking place among Bible colleges and seminaries that instead of saying the old y'all come is saying, we'll go to you more and more and we'll partner with others. So while I do agree with Jonathan that there's a looming crisis, I also understand that there are, there are a number of organizations and resource providers that are in the process of providing some potential solutions. That's good. That's good. So, What's the uh, what's the main point of emphasis with your team right now? Like, what are you what are you emphasizing in your leadership? Uh, church revitalization, plain, plain, plain and simple. That's that's that is if if that's where I'm uh, understanding your question, yes. Todd. Yep. Uh, the, the 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 major emphasis right now is church revitalization. The numbers that we have on the low side, depending upon how you define the need for revitalization. The numbers that you have on the low side are 65% of all churches in North America need revitalization. Mm. On the high side, 90%. So somewhere between two out of three and nine out of 10 churches need some type of revitalization. Well, there is a dearth of resources and leaders to help these churches. I love what's going on in replanning and, and to some degree relaunching more replanning. But that is just a small slice of what needs to happen in order for many of these churches to be uh, revitalized. 
And so we're, we're pouring a lot of energy. It created a nonprofit called Revitalized Network so that we could, uh, so no church would come to us and we'll say, this is what you need to do. And they'd respond, I can't afford it. We won't, we won't be able to uh, have any church at any point be able to get some type of revitalization help and, and resource. So it's not just where my focus is, it's where my passion is. I am 63 years old. I don't know how many years God gives me, but as long as I have a breath to breathe, uh, I that I can see that being the rest of my life. And uh, even those who come behind me can see that as well. So long answer to a simple question. Yeah. So so talk to us about the Revitalized Network. I mean, I know I know that's a new initiative. Um, I mean, specifically, what is that? How can churches benefit from that or, or be served through that? I would ask the question the other way. Mm. How can churches benefit other churches through mm. Revitalized Network? It is a nonprofit, and the idea is for those churches that have resources, not just money, but time, people, that they will come together in a collective spot, Revitalized Network, to then resource other churches. It becomes a network of churches helping churches. And so, and, and so, we, we really are about to go into full launch of this in March. We've been doing a lot of pre-launch activity. We anticipate that our current pace will probably have close to 1,000 members by the end of, uh, of 2019, most of those members being churches. And if we, can, if we can get people who have a general evangelical doctrine and a heart for the local church helping churches one another, then uh, I think we can see a great potential. So, uh, look, shameless plug, go to revitalizednetwork.org and uh, find out more about this and, and what it is. Look at our look at everything from our purpose statement to our doctrinal statement to some of our uh, first and founding members who are coming on board. And uh, just, just, just check it out because this is a place where a church can help another church where maybe they couldn't by themselves, but together they can. So it's, it's, it's an exciting prospect. That's One of the great. things I was talking about uh, earlier, and I was almost guilty of over-talking, so I uh, uh, over-talking talking over someone, uh, was about church answers. So I, I was saying, hey, every time I've been on that site, um, it's been like the last update. I mean, even if it's at night, it was like you know within an hour or two because that community – seems to, it's, you know, not the book Wisdom of Crowds, but there's enough wisdom in that collective community. And man, there, there's, it's not just, you know, Dr. Rayner or, or Jonathan or somebody chiming in with, you know, good insight, the members of that community and their willingness to help each other and the genuine heart behind that community, I think is, is really powerful. How has that shaped the revitalized network or, I mean, how has that thought played in or has it, and I'm just, you know, trying to pull something out of thin air because when I look at that community, I've been a part of other communities before online and, you know, most are going to have, there's, there's, there's not going to be that sense, that same sense. So what was the, what's the secret sauce there to that? And then how are you carrying that into the revitalized network? Let's answer the last question first, Todd. How are we carrying it into the Revitalized Network? When you begin to look at the different questions and comments and responses that come in, 
there is a common thread in many of them, and that is the need for some type of revitalization. Church Answers was the inception of Revitalized Network. It is the nonprofit sister organization, Revitalized Network is, of Church Answers. It was a we, we were seeing the need through the volume of, of uh, community interaction that is taking place. And I agree with you. I have never, especially in, in, in the local church world, I have never seen anything like church answers. And maybe the, maybe there's a DNA there. I can think when we had, Jonathan, I'm trying to think our first round, we had 115, 120 members, something like that. And yet those early members, whether it's Charlie Moulton in California, Doc Robino in Long Island, Steve Shifley in Canada, those early, say I can remember the early members, though they created a DNA that carries on to this day with 1,500 members and growing That's at awesome. Church Answers. And it's a DNA of helping, serving, and being active. And the community is tremendously active. Yeah, these days, Todd, it's not... Uh, uh, has someone answered in the last hour? It's usually in the last five minutes that mm, someone yeah. responds. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. So when we look at daily rhythms, daily rhythms, Jonathan, why don't you go first? Uh, what are maybe one or two things that you just find yourself having to do daily and how does it benefit your life and leadership? Well, I'm a big fan of uh, audiobooks. Mm. And I, so my my commute is pretty much filled with either audiobooks or or podcast. So I'm, I'm constantly learning. I mean, it's, it's just one of those things where I, I don't listen to the radio. My kids, they kind of get frustrated when they ride with me in the car. Um, sometimes I do turn on the Taylor Swift, but Mm. at the same time, uh, you know, it's, it's rarely, you know, it's, it's always just a book and, and they find themselves learning, which is kind of neat. You know, I've got a, a they're listening to your podcast and your, well, the podcast or yeah, they know, they know Dr. Rayner's voice through the podcast. Cause I listen to some of ours, you know, kind of listen to them as a release or, or the, uh, the SBC this week podcast, yeah, do yeah, they, yeah, yeah. they listen to that and, um, they, they think it's weird that their dad's on the radio, <laughs> but, um, and I tell them, look, it's just in this car. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's not like everybody's radio, but, uh, well, there is a lot, but we're in our leadership, but, um, I, I find that is, is the best rhythm I've got for learning and leadership mm. is, is through, uh, just the constant input basically of, of others through podcasts, through audiobooks, yeah. whatever it may be. What are some of the recent books or podcasts that you listen to? All right, so recent to? books, um, the the new gold standard. Oh, yeah. uh, it's it's a few years old. It's it's kind of an older book. I mean, older. It's like maybe seven or eight years yeah. old. <laughs> but um, it's just a fascinating look yeah, at yeah. Ritz Carlton. Mm. I'm absolutely fascinating. I'm like I'm, I'm like I don't have the money to do that or whatever. But I'm like I really want to stay at Ritz Carlton <laughs> when I travel. That's how I felt. But when I, I can't. It, yeah. I can't. You know. I mean, it's like you know. I'm you know. I've got four kids and yeah. my wife works at a church and I work at Lifeway. We're not staying at Ritz yeah. Carlton, right? So maybe in another lifetime. But uh, but yeah, it's it's just a fascinating look. That's one of the best ones I've read recently. Also, like listen to or uh, to a lot of historical biographies, those mm. kind of things. So. Did Grant uh, did the one on the the, the um, search for Lincoln's assassin mm. at the John Wilkes Booth uh, that last year as well. So um, the thing with those biographies, a lot of them, especially the Chernow ones, um, they're like you know ninety hours or something like that. So it's, it's like crazy. it's like four months of commuting, <laughs> you know. Because uh, while Nashville traffic is pretty bad, I, I have a pretty good commute and my time and everything. But but I love audiobooks, love that kind of thing. And then as far as podcasts, uh, Marty Duran, a friend of ours, just launched his new podcast, Uncommentary. That's right. 
So I've right. um, been listening to that as well. So really enjoyed the, the debut episode um, at, at, with, um, with a Twitter historian. And and then also David French, I uh, interviewed him as well. So a couple of those just really enjoyed. So that's awesome. Um, that's, th- awesome. That, that's that's it for me. Yeah, Doctor Rainer, how about you? What are um, one or two things you find yourself having to do daily on a daily basis, and what benefit does it have for your life and leadership? The rhythm of my life is becoming a little more consistent. Actually, uh, I, I will give son Jess, who happens to be my pastor, a bit of credit for that because he has asked all of us to. Uh, commit to reading in depth the New Testament, all of us in our church in 2019, mm. the typical Bible reading plan, but uh, uh, it's, it's, it's basically a chapter a day. Uh, you can take two days off and still get to the entire New Testament, which is a chapter a day. And so my rhythm now, my early morning has been going through that single New Testament chapter. And, uh, you know, it doesn't sound like much, but if you spend 30 minutes in one chapter of the New Testament, you begin to see things that you have not seen. So that, that has really enhanced my personal emotional time and my, my, my wake up time. And I haven't, haven't really thought that much about uh, how, how much it has to you ask the question uh, from, from there. Um, uh, again, my, 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 my feet are in two worlds right now. I'm exiting out of Lifeway. I'm entering into Revitalized Network and Church Answers. But if you were looking at the Church Answers side, the next thing I would do is I would go to the forum. I'd go to Church Answer Central. And, and sometimes I input, sometimes I just read. Uh, but it's I, I, I learn so, so incredible much. And then there's always something to be writing. Uh, when you think about our rhythm of communication, we have, I have to create five days of content. I have to create outlines for three podcasts and I write, have to write two blog posts Mm. and those take place Monday through Friday. So that always has to be a part of my rhythm, the outline for the podcast and then the content, uh, the actual writing of the blog post. And then if I'm writing a book on top of that or getting ready for a speaking engagement or something of that nature, there's, there's additional content preparation. So that is part of it as well. My wife is an artist. She's, always painting during the day, most of the time at night. So it's just me and Marley when I'm here at the house. Uh, and Mar- Marley's my dog, and he happens to be staring at me right now just to let y'all know if y'all want a little bit of visual. But th- those, are, those, those, those are some of my day rhythms that are, that are taking place there. All right. Uh, so I, I, I'm going to shift gears on us a little bit. What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? So well, I, before I ask you that, and I already have asked you that, and so I know you hate that I'm interrupting your answer already, but um, one of the things that I, and we were talking about this a little bit before the podcast, and I can't remember if um, this came out in a podcast with you or uh, in talking to one of your sons, but there's uh, some advice that you did with them or gave them that I've actually for the last couple of years um, has really influenced the way I interact with my children. And that was that you always told them, um, I love you. I'm proud of you. And I'm glad you're my son. And so, especially with my middle son, um, that's almost a daily occurrence for me. So I just want to say thank you for that. Um, Well, it, 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 it was something that just evolved uh, in the raising of three boys. Uh, it was part of our bedtime ritual. Uh, when they were very young, we read through an illustrated uh, Bible. 
uh, children's Bible, if you will. And then in our prayer time, uh, after they would pray uh, and then I would have a short prayer, that would be how I would close the night before we went to bed. And uh, Art has picked on that up on that exactly. I mean, he uses those same words uh, to this day. Uh, Sam, uh, I, I've noticed he does something at the end of every day. He looks at his uh, each of his four children and he'll point to his eyes and his heart and he'll say, I love you. So they've modified different ones of it. Uh, 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 Jess has done similar things. So uh, it's if, if there's a generational thing that's uh, going on, I'm, I'm pretty happy about that. Good, good. Okay, so what's the best advice you've ever been given? So one piece of advice, it kind of goes back to the parenting thing that you know, you're know you talking about with, uh, with Art and Sam and everything. But my dad would tell me, remember whose you are. And, and he didn't mm. mean it. He didn't mean it as a... Uh, Maybe just, it, it had kind of a double meaning. It was like, remember that, you know, basically he would tell me, you know, that whenever I'm going out, whatever it was, you know, whenever I went off to college, whenever I went out with friends in high school, whatever it may be, whenever I was leaving his care, remember whose you are. And that meant don't do anything that'll bring, you know, embarrassment or shame to your mom and me and to your family and also onto your Lord and Savior. And and that was a good, it was a good piece of advice for me because it, it just, it kept everything in perspective, you know, think through what you're doing, think through your actions. And that's something that, you know, I've got a teenage son now, which is crazy. Um, but that's something that I've carried on too, is mm-hmm. telling him, remember who you are, um, you know, and, and to everything that you do in your daily life to, you know, glorify God and not, in, you know, bring shame to your family or, mm-hmm. you know, to yourself. That's so good. Dr. Rainer, how about you? The types of advice I, I were given that is just indelible in my memory are really three different questions, as I best recall them. Uh, the first one was by my high school coach, Joe Hendrickson. Y'all remember we actually had a chapel where I honored him at Lifeway. That was amazing. And uh, Co- Coach Joe asked me this question, where will you spend eternity? I mean, that's not advice, but that was a question that (laughs) pushed me uh, uh, better than any advice that I have ever received. Mm. Uh, Another question that was kind of advice to move on was uh, my wife, Nellie Jo. I was uh, successful in the corporate world and the call to vocational ministry had come to us and I was delaying. And finally, she asked me this question, what are you waiting on to be obedient? And it's kind of hard to not go when you've been asked that question. I had, had all kind of excuses, why not? And she just said, what are you waiting on uh, to be obedient? A third piece of advice came through. I mean, this was a long time ago. It was actually in 1980, uh, one month before my oldest son was born, Sam. And I was watching a real to real movie in the uh, Sunday evening service of a church by James Dobson called Focus on the Family. And uh, that, that back then that had a huge impact and Dobson asked uh, this question, how will your children remember you? So those aren't three pieces of advice, but the types of questions move me as a piece of advice would. I love that. I love that. And going back to the top of the podcast, you guys talked about uh, a podcast that you guys are going to be releasing. I'm sure it's going to be out by the time that this goes live as well as a blog. And we'll make sure to link all that in the show notes. But you guys talked about succession 
right? And and the impending, or just I guess just how much the church is going to need to be talking and walking through it. So to close our podcast off, I've, I, I'd love for um, for you guys to answer or, or give some advice. Imagine if you had two people sitting down here, you know, one person is a senior pastor thinking about leaving, thinking about, you know, handing the reins off. Maybe they're a legacy pastor. And, and you also have a younger pastor who's who's discerning, maybe should I become that pastor? What advice would you give both? Hey, hey, Jonathan, why don't why don't you frame this in some of the context of uh, what you found and why you prompted me to uh, uh, pursue this a little bit more? You were actually, without naming the churches, some of the things you found you found out, and then then I can uh, maybe close it out. Yeah, uh, you know, we we've been looking at uh, you know we keep hearing about pastors moving on, uh, pastors either retiring. Uh, taking other jobs, and some of them have been taking other pastorates, whatever it may be, at, at other large churches. And we've we've got um, a group of millennial pastors who are very, you know, content where they are. Um, we church planning has become, uh, a, you know, has been a, a big boom the last decade or so, and church planners see, you know, I think there's a little bit of an unfair um, personification of, or, or unfair, I guess, comparison between church planning. And you know, legacy church leadership or established churches, uh, you know, they they want to be able to set the DNA and do something fresh and do something new. And you know, y'all things y'all have talked about, I'm mm-hmm. sure, on this podcast. Right, right. And um, so, the established church really hasn't been for a lot of younger pastors and millennials. Uh, even some of the the younger Gen X pastors hasn't been something that they really want to jump into because of you know whatever the horror stories they've heard or whatever it may be. And, and now you've got these, these big churches that need leaders who are capable leaders of large organizations. And you know, I think the theological sh- uh, swing that we've seen and really heavy theology has, has helped a lot of pastors with preaching, with theology, obviously, but at some expense of leadership development. You know, that's something that you you talk a lot about with Lifeway Leadership. I mean, I, I'm not saying anything you and your audience don't know already, mm-hmm. but that's what we're saying. And it's, it, the conflux is these brand name churches that everybody kind of knows becoming open now and being able to try to find guys to be able to make that jump. And a lot of them just aren't there. And, and to that guy uh, that you, you mentioned, you know, you got the, the senior pastor maybe exiting the younger guy from the younger guy's seat here um, when you start comparing me and Dr. Rayner. Um, <laughs> I would say that honor the guy the, there before you, just mm-hmm. because you weren't the leader whenever he was the pastor. Uh, and, and just because the church may have made some mistakes or whatever over the years as with the previous pastor, he was there, honor him. Don't run down everything that they've done in the past. Just because you're the leader doesn't make everything you've done forward. Great. Um, that church has done great things for God throughout its history, likely. So honor that and also use that as a, you know, kind of a springboard. We talk a lot about this on Rainer on Leadership is using the, the legacy of the church to help you shape the future of the church. Mm, and that, that's, that's a that's a big, big thing that I think a lot of younger pastors going into those roles don't see and don't get. They think that they've got to reinvent things and, and try to do do it different just because it's different. But you can use what the, the legacy and Dr. Rainer, I, if you don't mind sharing about what Sam's done down at West Bradenton um, with the new campaigns that they've launched, 
but he's done that um, with using the legacy of the church to help launch the future of the church. That's great. With with uh, Sam, one of the things that I have observed in his leadership that has been very healthy and helpful, and uh, he's in his fourth year at West Bradenton Baptist Church, is that uh, he went to the longer term members and essentially said, tell me your greatest memory of this church. And he took that moment of the greatest memory of the church to be a fulcrum or a platform for the future of the church. Yes, we did that then. Let's talk about what we can do in the future. And so he's honored the legacy of the longer term members by helping them to remember the past and that has helped move them uh, into the future. And then back to the questions, I'm going, I'm going to respond to two groups. I'm going to respond to first the pastors. What would I say to these pastors of these large churches? Number one, don't hold on too long. Uh, there, there, there is a season to let go. And my generation has a tendency to cling, uh, to hold on to that which we know and which we're comfortable instead of letting go and uh, prepare, uh, allowing the next generation to come, to come in. So let go. And then secondly, I would ask the question of the pastor, then what's your plan? Um, do you have a succession plan? Uh, whether it's a person or a process, do you have a succession plan? And so those would be two of the questions that I would put before uh, the pastors of these churches. The other group that I would address would be the congregation after this pastor leaves. And it's simply this, don't look for a pastor the way you think you've always supposed to look for a pastor. Think outside the box. I want to tell you, many of these mega church pastors are looking at the same guys over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. and, and they're good guys. There's just not enough of them. And in fact, I sent Jonathan a text two days ago. Well, this mega church wants Sam. And <laughs> it was just yet another one that had contacted Sam. And he's, he's, he's one of those few. And of those few, they are very capable people. But there's not enough of those people to fill the vacancies that are occurring. So think outside the box when you start looking for your next pastor. Is it someone from within? Is it uh, instead of a traditional search committee, do you go get a search firm? Like, uh, uh, I don't want to talk too much about Eric Geiger because I'm still ticked off that he left Lifeway. But, uh, you know, Eric, Eric Geiger, uh, when, when he left, uh, to go to Mariner's Church, it was the result of a search firm finding him. You know, think outside the box rather than uh, the way that you've always done it. I'm spending a lot of time, too much time with search committees who are telling me after 18 months, they can't find anybody. I said, well, tell me how you're trying to find someone. And it's the same old worn out process. So think outside the box. And now speaking of the box, I will get down from my soapbox and let you wrap it up. Well, in wrapping it up, uh, we did want to kind of point back to your all's podcast, Rainer on Leadership. What has been your favorite episode, Jonathan and Dr. Rainer? What's been your favorite episode? Looking back, if people haven't heard the podcast yet, what should they go back and try to find? And we'll link that in the show notes, of course. I'm not expecting you to go, episode 138. Uh, well, uh, that was a good one. <laughs> no, I have no idea what episode 138 was. It was good, we got though. 500 and some episodes, you know. Um, I, so we've had a chance. This has been really cool. And, and Dr. Rainer probably agree with this. But we've had a chance to have some great guests on the show right. over the years. Um, Todd, you've even been on the show. So I think, yeah, yeah. we had you on. Back Daniel, on we've had you on yeah, for sure. your, your uh, No Silver Bullets, which was a fantastic episode, by the way. Thanks. Because um, that book, I'm a big fan of that book. Mm. But we've... Dr. Rainer, you, you'd probably agree with this. We've had, 
everybody from like Alistair Begg, Michael Hyatt, Mark uh, from Casting Crowns. Uh, I mean, we've had Mark Howell. Uh, we've had all these people on. Mm. They've all been just the best. Mm. Like, don't forget Kerry Newhoff. Newhoff. Yeah, I mean, all kind of people. And I think the uh, the Alistair Begg one may be my favorite, just because the accent is so awesome. I, but, I had just written that down, uh, sir. I had just written that down in my notes. See, to- <laughs> I I, uh, I took your answer, but I mean, it was a really good episode. And he did, but he talked about his process of preaching oh, okay. and how he you know, ingests the word. And, and, you know, he, he had this little saying in there. It was a, uh, is it read myself full, write myself empty? Um, it, it was something like that. I don't remember the exact terms, but I remember th- that episode has really resonated with me. And if you're a pastor yeah, out I, there, I agree, I agree Jonathan. I don't yeah. remember any of the words. I just remember the accent. No. <laughs> <laughs> the Scottish brogue. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it, that was a fantastic one. And it just the episodes that just Dr. Rayner and I've done, I've really enjoyed them. I've learned a lot. And uh, some of the stories that Dr. Rayner's told, I mean, it's just, they're hilarious. Um, the One of the ones that we've done that he's talked about is the one, the episode we did on funerals hmm. and uh, what, and, and he told his funeral story, which is the greatest, in my opinion, funeral story ever. Um, but, you know, th- those, those are just some of the favorite episodes I've had. That's good. Dr. Rayner? I really like it when Church Answers informs our podcast. So th- there, there are several. There, there's probably 150 episodes where we have seen a question that has uh, come up or an issue that has come up, and we say we're going to address that on a podcast because we got 1,500 subscribers, and a number of them are talking about a particular issue. So, yeah. Uh, Alistair Begg, overall, and in that category of uh, Church Answers informed uh, podcast have been have, are my two favorites in terms of categories. Yeah, and as far as listener favorites, I think our our download numbers spike whenever we have Mike Harlan on. Like when we talk about Us worship, too. yeah, worship Mike issues, is awesome. yeah. I mean, it's like everybody's <laughs> like, I gotta listen to that, yeah, because that seems to be that there must be a universal problem in in churches is worship issues. Mm. Yeah. So honestly, I I love the fact that you guys aren't sitting in some ivory tower, but you have your finger on the pulse of the church. And I hear that through the podcast. I hear that even in our conversation here, how you guys are serving the church. Uh, But also my favorite episodes are the ones uh, at the end of the year, at the beginning of the year, the trends ones. And and the only way that you can actually do those ones is if you had a pulse uh, and had, and your, that your heart was for the church. So thank you guys for serving the church. Thank you for being on the podcast. Uh, We appreciate your ministry and, and, your partnership in the podcast. Thank you, guys. Thanks, guys. Man, that was great. That was great. <laughs> that was fun. It's always good. And one of the things I appreciate about Dr. Rainer is he is who he is. And, um, you know, like, we get to be around him maybe a little bit more than the average Lifeway employee, mm. but, you know, just to hear stories of, like, if Dr. Rainer shows up to you to get your haircut, his haircut by you, he's going to figure out if you know Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus, he's going to keep coming there until you know Jesus. <laughs> That's true. He has a great track record with that too. By the way. That's so good. That's so good. Now, during the podcast, he mentioned a lot of different resources. And there's right. there were so many good ones that I wrote down as well that I was like, oh, I need to do this. I and, know. and even right now, I was like, I just downloaded the Alistair Begg episode because I don't think I listened to what that one on theirs. Um, it was one of the earlier ones. Cool. 
So we'll put all of that in the show notes. So be sure to go to leadership.lifeway.com and you can find the information there on today's episode. And also they mentioned the EST podcast. Well, not the EST, Sam Rayner. Sam, which is, is Dr. Rayner's son, yes. who is one of the co-hosts on the EST podcast. Which stands for Established Church Podcast. So it is that, you know, more legacy uh, established churches that, you know, they're kind of speaking from. All of them are at established churches and leading established churches. So they have kind of a unique insight into that. Yeah. So you'll want to make sure to listen to that one. But before we end today's episode, we did want to share that Robbie Gallaty has a brand new book. It's called Here and Now, Thriving in the Kingdom of Heaven Today. He is the co-host of uh, one of the podcasts on our podcast network. Making Disciples. Yeah, Making Disciples. So you will have heard him and, uh, I mean, we've had him on the podcast as well a few times. So if you haven't yet picked up a copy, be sure to do so because this book is all about uh, the idea of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God here today, not just somewhere in the future, but, but what does it look like to thrive in the kingdom of heaven today? Uh, here's one of the lines from the, the back of his book. The Christian life was so much more than just a one-time decision to secure a place in heaven. So it's going to be a great book, a great read. Uh, it's going to be great for your staff as well. So be sure to pick up a copy. I have a confession. <laughs> yeah. I need to confess this. I think, I think it's possible that, you know how um, uh, probably every, I don't know, dozen episodes or so I'll throw in the line baptism is not the finish line it's the starting line yeah I think I may have stolen that from Robbie <laughs> I think I may have stolen he's got amazing amazing um, one liners or key points in anything that he teaches he does, does he does or writes so um, I have not yet read this one but I definitely will do it awesome and we'll catch you guys next time <laughs>